Welcome to Trauma-Informed Parenting, where you can find information about adoption, foster care, parenting a child with a capital letter syndrome, such as ADD, ADHD, FASD, SPD, on the spectrum, etc., and trauma-informed parenting, all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker, but more important than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Trauma-Informed Parenting, a Coffee Break Podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to this episode of Trauma-Informed Parenting. I promised my email subscribers that I would do an episode on the Job Syndrome And so that's what I want to talk about. But before I get started and you're like, oh my gosh, what is is that? And why do you want to talk about that? Well, I will give you like a very, very specific definition. Then I will give you more definitions as per it applies to us as parents. I found a couple of definitions of Job syndrome. One is a medical condition. The Job syndrome is a condition that affects several body systems, particularly the immune system. Reoccurrent infections are common in people with with this condition. So that's one of the definitions. And then the second meaning comes from the biblical book of Job and the man named Job, whom God allowed to be directly attacked by Satan. His is an example of faithfulness, despite going through great and horrific difficulties, he remained faithful to God. And so I kind of want to combine both of those because Job, in the midst of losing everything, that the purpose of that story is, is to illustrate God's sovereignty and faithfulness during a time of great suffering. So I'm kind of really summarizing it and Obviously, the life of Job has so many more lessons in it, but I'm thinking of that for our purpose and what we're talking about. So when we have great suffering, great struggle, great trials, and we're going through a Job syndrome. So both of these definitions fit the bill. And I'll explain a little bit more in a minute, but you know, the medical condition affects several body systems. And when you're going through a Job syndrome, maybe it's a loss of a job, financial bankruptcy, a a major change in your life, even if it's a good change, bringing a new child home, job change, a move, even just the holidays when you've been out and about and celebrating, and then it's over and you try to get back to your schedule and there's a major regression with your children, you can feel like you're going through a Job syndrome as if nothing is working and everything is falling apart and you don't know what to do next. So when, when you think of that, 
the medical condition, it, it's affecting the whole family, the whole body of your family, the whole ecosystem within your home. So that's kind of my short definition. I have a lot more in the article I wrote about this and in my book, How to Have Peace When Your Kids Are in Chaos. There is a whole chapter on the Job Syndrome. So I'll share a little bit of our story in one of the Job Syndromes that we went through. So don't just think, oh my gosh, I'm going through a Job Syndrome. It's going gonna, it's gonna to end, which is true. There's going to be an end to that. And I'll never go through one again. Well, I hate to point it out, but we can go through very many Job Syndromes within our life. But it doesn't mean that you're going to lose everything. It doesn't mean that everything is going to fall apart, and a lot of that has to do with our mindset, but I'll get to that in a minute. So ours began shortly after the adoption, a couple years after the adoption. Of course, the, I think the first couple years of the adoption, I was like running on adrenaline. We had all these doctor's appointments, all these surgeries, all these things happening in our life, and I was all of a sudden homeschooling more children and trying to find curriculum that worked for them. And it was just, you know, going on the sheer grace of God that I made it through those years. But then our business began to fail. And I thought that my husband was was handling all that. And, but next thing I know, I'm sitting in a slippery leather chair my hands folded on the table, looking at two very grim-faced attorneys. They shuffled some papers while Jerry stared at the table, never lifting his head. Next thing I know, they're saying, you'll have to sell your house, your car. Do you have anything else of value? And I was like, what? What were we doing? What was going on? What was going on? Like the word bankruptcy? Did they say that word? I was dizzy, confused. I couldn't focus. I felt like my husband had delivered me into the lion's den and hadn't warned me in any way. Now, this is not about my husband, if you think that. He knows that I'm talking about this, and he knows this is in my book. This is about our Job syndrome. I didn't even have the energy to be angry. My trust went out the window, gone. In its place were feelings of shock and betrayal. You can still live a normal life, one of the attorneys was saying. It won't be that different. And after seven years, your slate will be clean. Seven years? In seven years, my kids would be teens. Some would even graduate from high school during that time. From plenty to nothing in a one-hour meeting. We rode home in silence at first. I didn't even know what to say. I, I, the rug had been pulled out from under my feet, and I was floating over the edge of a cliff. What would I tell the kids? How could I tell the kids? How could I tell myself? It was as if Satan had gone before the Lord and said, Look at all of these families that have adopted. They think they are serving you, wearing t-shirts with James 127 printed on them. They think they are so special. Give them to me for a while and let, let me show you what they're really made of. They will crumble like the dust they are. Now, if that's you or a child with a capital letter syndrome and you finally got the diagnosis and you're finally making some progress, you've got some parenting tools in your belt, 
and you think, okay, this is this is going to be great. We know what it is. We know, or you brought some kids home through adoption, like I was talking about, and you're like, okay, these first two years were really rough, but we're starting to get the hang of it, and boom, you hit a Job syndrome, whatever it's caused by. It's not always caused by bankruptcy. It could be sickness in the family. It could be the health of a parent. It could be a move. It could be a job loss. It could be the child that you thought you had diagnosed properly has more diagnosis that need to be under uncovered so that you can also help that child through those or learn how to cope or live or whatever the lens that they are looking through. I just want you to remember something. I'm going to tell you something spiritual and something about a prayer that I prayed during this time before I get on to some really practical tips that will help you. Because I know when you listen to this podcast, you're like, just tell me what to do. I know what it's like to be there, to be so underwater. You know, I imagine like, you know, being underwater and just having one of those little paper straws that you can breathe through. That's how I felt often. And I, that's how I feel when I'm going through a Job syndrome. Like I've got that little straw and all I can do is breathe. But there is more that you can do. And there's more that I learned to do during that season. Because hunkering down under the water, breathing under a straw, is, is not the way to live your life. It's not the way for anyone to live their life. I just want to remind you that the power of Satan is limited to what God allows, even though it feels that it's unlimited. I felt as if his whole power had been unleashed on us. And it was difficult to find the good in the midst of our stressful circumstances. I had the mixed up notion that if we moved away and got a fresh start, that everything would be perfect. All of the money problems would vanish. My husband would have the perfect job. The kids would have a great homeschool group and we would find friends and none of these things worked out. Even though we did move and my husband did get a, another job, it just got worse. I'm not saying that to make you feel deflated. I'm not saying that to, to make you feel like it's hopeless because there is hope. And this too shall pass. That's what my stepfather used to say about everything. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. But what the focus of my mindset was, if I change my circumstances, then my inner mindset, my heart, my spiritual view will get better and everything else will get better. And that just did not work out. But there are other ways to address a Job syndrome. And the first extremely important one is prayer. Because one day I just found, I found myself, I was just crying out to God. Okay, complaining. I was complaining to God. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to fix things. And I was tired of telling my children no about everything that costs money. I was tired of just breathing through that straw and feeling like nothing was ever going to get better. And then my children were regressing and I was triggered by the lack and they were triggered by my attitude. And it was just a trigger mess. We were just living in chaos. 
And when I was complaining my prayer to God, I felt God stirring my heart to do one fun thing with my kids each day. One fun free thing. And to hug each child at least once a day. Now I know not every child, especially a child with sensory issues on the spectrum or another capital letter syndrome, they do not necessarily like to be hugged and some of the boys you have to do the side hug where you stand beside them and you put your arm around their shoulder and you just pat them a little bit but just some sort of physical contact that made them feel connected to me to make them feel you know it's gonna be okay when we are in these situations these Job syndromes, and we regress, and our kids regress, and we're triggered, and they're triggered, they are going to mirror our attitude and our mindset and our actions. And we parents forget the power that we have to do something to change the environment of our home, the little ecosystem. If you imagine your home being this little ecosystem that you have this power over. I'm not saying control. I'm saying power to change the environment in the ways that people feel things. You know, have you ever walked into a room with a person that you know is a very negative person and you instantly feel that tension? You instantly just like, you want to run away from that room or you have to spend a great deal of time with maybe a family member over the holidays that is constantly questioning your children and making them feel unloved, unconnected, and questioning your parenting. And all you want to do is get away from them. You just, you want to stand up for your child, but you also want to get away from that person. Well, think of it when you are at home, when you're in that environment at home, who's creating it? What kind of environment are you creating? So I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but just think of that as your home is this little ecosystem that you can create the environment. Does that mean that all the meltdowns will cease? No. Does that mean the Job syndrome goes away? No. Does that mean that um, nobody's going to ever be upset or angry or, or any of those things? No, not at all. But what I'm saying is just to step up and proactively, like I said, during that season, God said, start doing something, one thing fun a day. And we started doing a game night every week with the games that we already owned. I got our rollerblades out and set up cones in the driveway, and we just started rollerblading together. And yes, I do rollerblade, not that, not that well, but I do it anyway. And taking walks with my daughters and having squirt gun battles in the yard, of course, not in the winter. But, you know, the, the point is proactively plan something fun and do it no matter how you feel, because you're teaching your child a very, very important coping mechanism. And that is when you're stressed, when you're in the middle of a Job syndrome, however small or however large, you can still enjoy parts of your life. You can still infuse that habit of celebration into your life to counteract that negative stress that's going on. 
You can counteract that by doing something fun. Okay, so I've talked a lot about my story, and I will share a little bit more about it within this episode. But what does this mean for you? Like I already said, the Job syndrome comes in many shapes and sizes. There are two types of affliction, self-inflicted and God-backed. So self-inflicted comes from our either our poor habits or our poor choices. And just like I was saying, you know, setting up that environment in your child. Are you part of the negative stress? Are your triggers triggering your children because you're not using that gift of self-control, that spiritual gift that God has given us. And I hate to be hard on you, but I'm just telling you, I've been there. I've done that. I've not used the self-control and wondered why my home was in chaos. So it does. It takes a lot of energy and it takes definitely, definitely the grace of God because in our weakness, he is strong. But I will tell you this, God will not be strong for you He will not intervene in that if you are choosing, you know, the Bible says, choose life or death, blessing or cursing. If you're choosing cursing, he's not going to turn it into blessing. He's not going to be like, oh, your home is so peaceful and loving, even though you are so negative and triggered and angry and frustrated and act that way towards your children. Now, please, please understand me. Like I said, I've been there. I've stayed stuck with my straw sticking up out of (laughs) the waves of the ocean trying to get a breath. I understand there are days that you're just going to be frustrated and angry. There are days that you're going to be stuck in a cycle of grief, and that's okay. What I'm saying is what you can do, what you can do is when you come out of that, maybe you have half an hour where you go to your room or you take a hot bath, or you journal, or you do something to recycle back out of that grief. You practice that grief for a while, and then you come out of it and say, you know what, now I'm going to do this. And I just wanted to make this point. You know, when you're in the Job syndrome, you might feel like you've gone back to ground zero, and your children are really, really regressing. I've mentioned that over and over again. If you have a diagnosis of a capital letter syndrome, FASD, ASD, ADHD, GAD, SPD, etc., it's a very long list. Or your child has a trauma history, and even if your child has a capital letter syndrome, that is a trauma. So because of when I'm talking about this, the end of the holidays can seem as if you just entered a Job syndrome. I said that at the beginning. Or... Like I also said at the beginning, just reminding you, maybe you've had a major life change headed your way and things in your home are suddenly unorganized, unscheduled, and whatever the cause may be, you're panicking. All your triggers are triggered. All their triggers are triggered. It's just a trigger war. Everybody's trigger happy and you're trying to figure out now what do I do? And I think it's funny, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast When it's the first day of the year, this is the day we jump into that list of resolutions we wrote the night before. Exercise, stop eating sugar, walk in love, appreciate family more, blah, blah, blah. Because we are too exhausted to see the new year off, start off with anything. 
And if we have that Job syndrome, that that's all just compounded. It's like you come out of Christmas, you come out of New Year's Eve, or you stayed up late. I'm not really good at that, but a lot of people stay up really late, and they're like, okay, okay. January 1st, everything in my family is going to change. Everybody's going to get along. I'm going to study the Bible more. I'm going to do it all. And then you fall flat on your face and everybody's triggered, especially, especially if you are in the middle of a Job syndrome and maybe you were able to set that aside for a day or two, day or two while you celebrate it and you opened presents, and you ate good food, and you had some really great conversations, and you played some games, but now it's all back on. And just remember, holidays are taxing for everyone, and dare say it, a normal person, even though a normal person doesn't exist. But let's say you're looking on social media, and you're like, well, those are normal people, and their holidays are great, and here we're back to We've not only, we're not only back to where we were, we're back to the beginning of where we were, and I don't know how to handle it. So I want to get to those three tips before I run out of time here. Because when the normal life starts again, we may have adjusted to game playing, movie watching, and irregular eating, meaning more sweets than any human needs, and we may regress into a deeper more recessed area of our mind. I just want to tell you I'm not an expert, but I have learned through experience I could plot a repeating graph, the peaks being regression, and that chart ahead of time. I know, holidays, trips, vacation, days off, moving, bringing a new child into the family, getting a diagnosis. These are all triggers. Like you can plot it on a graph. These are going to happen. There's going to be regressions. But just know this as I get into these three points real quick. It is not the end. You are not back to the beginning. You still have the parenting tools in your tool belt that you had before the Job syndrome started. You still have access to all of those things. But I do want to give you a reminder. These tools are not like the tools that you have in your garage, which I was talking to a friend about the other day. They're not like, well, this one just needs a screwdriver and I need a hammer for this project. No, you might have to pivot. A tool that may have worked two weeks ago, a parenting tool, may not work today. And that's when you as the parent have to say, well, that one's not working. What else can I try? But don't give up. So number one, oh, I wanted to share this formula with you. I, this formula came with just years of living this and research years and years ago. I wrote this in a blog post that change plus stress plus triggers equals regression. I will read that one more time. Change plus stress plus triggers equals regression. And the reason I say change is because there can be, there are two types of stress that I like to talk about. Excitatory stress, like it's going to a good event, like a birthday party or seeing an old friend or a game night. That's excitatory stress. It's leading to a good thing or the birth of a child. And then there's negative stress. 
And that negative stress or that negative change can be going to a doctor's appointment or like I said, you know, you're visiting relatives and there's that one, and I'm just going to say it, that is questioning your children or making them feel like they're not good enough or making you feel like you can't parent. That is a stress even though you may want to see, and it's a change even though you may want to see the rest of the family. Okay, so keep that formula in mind. It's easier to understand that you are not losing your ability to parent. There are these other issues that are contributing to your regression. So number one, mentally prepare yourself. So this is when you do that self-speak. And I would encourage you to use the word of God for your self-speak. Find a scripture that works for you. Find some scriptures that you can rely on and repeat to yourself. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. That's one of my favorites, Proverbs 3, 4, and 5. If your child regresses, remember it's not a lack of good parenting. You haven't lost your parenting ability. Examine the stimuli. Can you eliminate some of it? Reduce some of the stress. One of the big things I will say during this season is watch the sweets. Sugar is just, oh my goodness, first of all, it's addictive, but it does terrible things to your brain. I'm not getting into that right now, but reduce the sugar, okay? And keep your child by your side as much as possible. That's that co-regulation. That doesn't mean you have to say, hey, you have to sit by me on the couch. No, just try to be near them. If they're playing with Play-Doh at a table and you're not playing with a Play-Doh, then sit somewhere near that table or join them. So keep your child co-regulate for them in that way, not say, I'm co-regulating for you. That's why I'm sitting four feet away from you. No, just do it. I remember one time when my teenage son was really, really upset about something And he went downstairs to the family room where there's a TV and he had his game system down there. And my treadmill was also down there. And he did not want to talk to me. He didn't want to do any of this co-regulation stuff at all. And please don't say those things to your children. Don't say, I am here to co-regulate for you. Just do it, you know? (laughs) So I was like, I knew he was on the verge of getting violently angry. Like he would probably break something down there punch a hole in the wall. And if you've never experienced that, I hope you never do, but just being real here. So like I said, my treadmill was down there as well. So I just went downstairs and walked on my treadmill for like 45 minutes, which was right behind the sectional where he was sitting. Had my earbuds in, didn't say a word. And he just visibly relaxed and calmed down. So, moving on to number two. Um, Go back to the basics. Go back to the basics. Think of some things that you were practices that you were implementing when you first either brought your kids home, got the diagnosis, or whatever it was, and you were like gung-ho. Like, these are the four things I learned that I need to do every day, and I'm going to do them. Do them again. Make sure your child is eating and drinking every two hours. 
have snacks available for them, have a meal plan. There's nothing more disconcerting for a child than to know there's not a schedule and there's not food available. And if you are one of those families, which we have always been, that sits down to dinner every night and eats breakfast and lunch together every day, continue that as difficult as it is. Even if it's just a peanut butter sandwich, sit down together. Sit, do the basics again. And like I said in when my I was complaining my prayer to God, do something fun with your kids every day, whether it's playing with Play-Doh with a little one, talking about a book or a movie with an older child, or building Legos with a child who likes to do that. Invest that time during this season, and you will reap a harvest of connection that will go beyond when your Job syndrome is over. Because that year that we did move and we lived in a different city where we didn't know anyone, and I said none of those things worked out, not our homeschool group, not our anything, and we were definitely financially in a Job syndrome, mentally, spiritually in a Job syndrome, couldn't find a church. I was doing these practices doing something fun, doing game nights, doing movie nights, playing out in the yard, rollerblading, walking, all those things that took energy, so much mental energy and physical energy from me when I just wanted to stay in bed and pull the covers over my head. My kids now talk about what a connecting year that was. Now, they may not say those words, but they remember. Remember when we did this? Remember when you planned that whole scavenger hunt at Cabela's, which I did. I made up a scavenger hunt because it was free to go to Cabela's. And I'm like, okay, count all the deer, count all the elk, and and those sorts of things. They have built memories in my child's minds, and they are memories of connection. Okay, got to finish up here because I like to keep these under half an hour, and I'm really going over here a few minutes. So number three, keep a schedule as much as possible. Write or draw one if needed. Talk your child through the day each morning. Don't ignore any of her questions or his questions about upcoming events such as, where are we going today? How long are we going to stay there? Who's going to be there? What do we have to do today? It helps some children just paint a visual picture in their minds knowing what's coming up next makes them feel more in control. And this is part of number three, you know, they keep the schedule as much as possible. I'm just going to add this one on. I know it's difficult in this day and age, but stay at home together as much as possible. And like I said in the last point, eat your meals together as much as possible at the table. Have a conversation. We always did, and we still do, conversation starters at meals, you know, what's what's your favorite thing that happened to you today? Or sometimes we would just go a little rogue and say, make up a story about what happened today and let the kids tell stories about dragons. And even when they were teens, we would do that. You know, what would you do during a zombie apocalypse? Which is a better place to survive, Walmart or the church? True story. Those are some actual conversations from our table. 
So I'm going to wrap that up for today. And thank you for joining me. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Trauma-Informed Parenting. Make sure you subscribe on TraumaInformedParenting.com to receive a free resource and receive a newsletter plus updates when books or new courses are released. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, or Spotify and leave a review so other listeners can find trauma-informed parenting and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send me an email to contact at traumainformedparenting.com.